It is funny how we, you know, that's the way we think about the computing industry now. If they happen to have like, you know, computers like in a server room somewhere, like who does that anymore? In fax machines. <laughs> yeah. yeah s- sitting next to their fax machines. Could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And with me is my resident pain specialist, Prasanna Malianti. How's it going, Prasanna? <laughs> I'm good. But Curtis, I really have to ask, how are you doing? Fair to Midland. I put, you know, my, you know, because I had my shoulder. It's hard to say shoulder surgery. I want to say shoulder say surgery. Five times fast. Right? Yeah. You just, you just can't say it. <laughs> I my shoulder surgery. And it's not a full rotator cuff for everybody that asks, oh, is it a rotator cuff? It's like, technically, yes, it was a rotator cuff they were working on, but it wasn't a rotator, rotator cuff surgery. It was they, they go in and they like scrape off calcium or whatever. Um, and I had a rough couple of days where I was. And it's just like itty bitty slices too, right? They just put yeah, a couple yeah. little holes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, six. Six holes in my. Uh, so I have six band aids at this point. Um, so I'm in the recovery phase. I actually have my my week after post op uh, today. Uh, but yeah, for a couple of days there, I was pretty stoned. Um, you know, I had some some. I, I was on a double dose of Percocet just to keep from crying. Um, yeah, but but I, I got over that, and now I'm now I'm just on. You know, it's it. You know, I'm not. I don't have a lot of strength in it at this point because it's still in recovery, and but, you know. But at least you're out of your sling. I'm out so. of my sling, um, and, uh, and 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 you know, things. It'll, it'll be all. It's all uphill from here, and uphill. Um, just good. What did I say? Did I say uphill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in downhill. It's all downhill. You're still on the Percocet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still on the Percocet, just a little bit. <laughs> And we could have a whole other podcast where we talk about why I had this surgery. And the true answer is, well, two answers. One is, well, I did need it. I didn't need it as much as I did in the other shoulder when I had it a couple of years ago. But the true answer is why I had the surgery now is that I had blown through my deductible on my, <laughs> my health insurance. <laughs> it's a good reason to get it done. Yeah. I have any surgeries that I need to get done. So, but anyway, so anyway, well, thanks for your concern, persona. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing better, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Me too. And uh, we have a new guest. He's been in the IT industry almost as long as I have. He, like we almost tied. And and he actually for several years ran a uh, a cloud, you know, a backup service company. Which which again, so you know, we're we're cut from the same cloth. I'd like to say <laughs> he is now the CEO of Crypto Stopper. Welcome to the podcast, Greg Edwards. Curtis and Prasanna, thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. <laughs> hey, we, you know, we're not fooling around over here, Craig. Uh, I like we it. Take, I like it. Our, we take our podcasting and our data protection seriously. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. We do like to have we do like to have a little fun. Um, and uh, but yeah, so so just curious, what was that like? So back in it was up up until what? 2007 is that what you said like when you ran that, that- 2007 is when i started the offsite backup okay. so we were doing out out of my msp we did kind of your traditional um, media storage for our clients and then it made sense to get into the offsite backup business with our clients and then ended up taking it nationally nice and you ended up ultimately getting acquired by another company and then that left you available to go do something else. <laughs> exactly. And so what, exactly what, you know, I'm always interested when, you know, uh, what was it that you felt, what problem was it that you saw out there in the IT industry that made you want to start another company to, to solve that problem? Yeah. Which time <laughs> <laughs> the offsite backup or this, this time, no, this one R- really, it was, from the offsite backup world, though, mm-hmm. that made me want to start Crypto Stopper. So we were doing so many recoveries, as I'm sure you still are mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. from ransomware attacks that 
myself and then the engineers that were working for me at the time that we said there's got to be a better way than relying only on backup to be the the recovery from ransomware attacks. I like it. It's like you're just getting customers out of that problem rather than, okay, how do we actually solve the problem further upstream rather than having to deal with the recovery scenarios? Exactly. Yeah, we did. I mean, there was one weekend um, in 20, I believe it was in 2014 that we did 13 simultaneous full-on recoveries because of one ransomware variant. Wow, that's crazy. It's Um, it's interesting because I didn't realize ransomware was actually that, like, it seems like it's something that's only been like the last couple of years, but I didn't realize that it actually goes back that far. Yeah, 20, 2012 is the first first time that I saw kind of the modern version of ransomware where it was tied to cryptocurrency. And, and cryptocurrency is really what's, what's got the cycle going um, because they can get paid completely anonymously anywhere in the world. Um, I mean, it, it made sense from an evolutionary standpoint. Before we get going, I should throw out our disclaimer. Persona works for Zoom and I work for Druva. This is not a podcast of either company. The opinions that you hear are ours. Remember to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And also, if you know, if you've got something to say in this space, right? Uh, anything, you know, around the areas of data protection, security, storage, you know, I don't know, pain management, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the podcast for you. Just reach out to me at uh, W Curtis Preston at Gmail or at WC Preston on Twitter. This is Curtis jumping in as I edit this edition of the podcast. I have an exciting announcement. In each episode of this podcast, we will give away a free ebook version of my new book, Modern Data Protection, courtesy of my publisher, O'Reilly and Associates. And here's how we're going to do it. If you'd like a chance to win a free copy, please send me proof of one of the following. Rate this podcast on ratethispodcast.com, subscribe to my mailing list on backupcentral.com, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Take a screenshot of that and send it to me as proof at wcurtispreston at gmail.com. I will then select a winner from the list of those that do that each week. So if you'd like a free ebook version of Modern Data Protection, here's your shot. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, you know, as much as I have spent basically my entire career as being, you know, specializing in backup, I agree that, you know, depending on how you do your restore, um, backup is, it, it may be your only option, but it's often not a very good one, right? It's one where companies, they, they look at their, especially if they have a, you know, if they didn't plan for this up front, they look at their solution and they say, um, like, wow, it's going to take us a month to restore from backup, you know, or more. It's going to take us a month or more to restore from backup. How much is that ransom? Right. And then they, they make that, <laughs> they make that business decision. One that I hate, right. I hate the idea of someone paying, paying the criminals because it's easier than restoring their data. But that absolutely happens in many, many cases, especially if the ransomware, uh, if the malware actually attacks the backup server, which has happened in many cases. In fact, many of the public incidents that you've seen in the news in the last couple of years, you'll see the phrase somewhere hidden in the article. I look for it immediately because of... (laughs) of my world, but you'll see the phrase comma and the backup servers were also encrypted. Right. And if that happens to you, then you're completely, you know, out of luck and you have no choice. And it's not even just the backups being encrypted, but now people are getting smarter and they're exfiltrating data right, just to avoid that problem. And if you're only relying on backups to recover, then you still have to worry about someone has your sensitive data that they're willing to publish, which kind of forces you to pay that ransom. Exactly. So these are, these right. are, yeah. The, the, go ahead. Well, the issue with that even is if they pay, the data has been exfiltrated. I mean, you're dealing with <laughs> criminals. Yes. That, oh yes. I promise. Yeah. I won't, <laughs> I won't do anything further with this data. It will be deleted. Yeah. Sure. It's, it will. it's like, um, by any chance, have you seen Hamilton? Uh, it is on my list. I have not oh, seen it. Dude, not throwing away my <laughs> shot. 
you know, so <laughs> in that story, he, you know, he, he gets a lot of credits for being a lot of firsts in, in the U S he's also our first, our first major, uh, sex scandal and he gets blackmailed. Um, and he, and basically it, it's an ongoing blackmail. It's just like what you're saying, right? So he, he blackmailed it, it to keep it private. Right. And then uh, basically he had to keep paying the guy. Uh, like, I think by the end he paid him something like the equivalent of like $50,000 of modern money. Um, but he, but that's the thing. It's the same thing that, that basically you pay the ransom. What you've just proven to this criminal is that, you value that data enough. You value it not being released enough that you're willing to pay X. And the, you know how how far is it for for a criminal to go? Well, if they're willing to pay X, <laughs> yeah. Well, then, I, yeah. What's what's the X plus? Yeah. Well, and I'm also wondering as people start to crack down on ransomware, are these gangs now going to be incentivized to just? go back to the victims and be like, hey, that stuff that I stole from you like two years ago, guess what? Pay up again, otherwise I'm going to publish it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and to go back to the first sex scandal story, there there are, I've seen lots of sextortion besides just ransomware, right. but and those are ongoing where people will pay and then continue to pay and pay and pay. Yeah, yeah. I saw that on Black Mirror, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a Black Mirror episode about that. <laughs> what does CryptoStopper do, and how does it help sort of move things upstream and kind of avoid even getting hit by ransomware to start with? Yeah, so so and it's not about avoiding it entirely; it's about minimizing the damage. Uh, so what we do is we're watching for that either exfiltration or actual encryption activity happening. And then either kill the process or isolate the machine, depending on if it's a server version or a desktop version running it. Um, but it's it's all about stopping that actively running ransomware. So you've been infected. Mm -hmm. That ransomware is actively running. Now to control the damage, we stop it in less than a second. And I know that you have something called watcher files, which you kind of deploy to kind of understand what's going on in the system. and. It, Exactly. Those those watcher files are technically called deception technology. So we're deploying bait honeypots uh, throughout the the honeypots. <laughs> yep, deploying that throughout the network to increase. What that does is increases our speed and accuracy of detecting the ransomware attack. So basically, it's like like if there's a honeypot file and it's leaving the server, then that server is clearly being That's exfiltrated. Exactly, or, or or somebody's doing something really stupid, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> One or the other, which I guess is different than how a lot of other technologies work, where they're kind of looking for signatures or patterns, right? Like antivirus software or firewalls, right? Yeah, when I first started uh, the company, which is now CryptoStopper, was Watchpoint Data, and our intent was to be a full security stack and be an MSSP. And even with the best next generation endpoint protection, ransomware is still getting through. It's kind of like when you think about malware getting through, like malware has always gotten through. It's just, it didn't do the kind of damage that it does today. And so those, those bits of malware that still get through and are always gonna get through, once ransomware is actively running, once it's on the system, there's nothing else to stop it other than to go to your backup and restore, which, you know, absolutely, people absolutely have to have backups, but a ransomware attack shouldn't necessarily trigger that you have to restore everything and bring the company to a complete halt. So what, what does a company have to do to use your technology? Um, so, so we only sell through managed service providers. Okay. So that's our, our channel to market is through MSPs. Um, and essentially, once an MSP signs up with us, then they deploy CryptoStopper through their remote monitoring and management system, typically. Okay. Um, so we've, we work with um, the majority of the RMM tools out there. 
And really, it's a scripted installation mm -hmm. where it'll push it out to the to the endpoints and to the servers if they still have on-site servers. Yeah, it's funny to it's funny to say if it is funny how we you know that's the way we think <laughs> about the 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 computing industry now. If they happen to have like you know computers like in a server room somewhere like who does that anymore in fax machines uh, yeah, yeah sit, sitting next to their fax machines um and their mr coffee coffee machine <laughs> then so, yeah. so does this work then so since you mentioned on-prem servers does this also work if the customer say is deployed in aws and is going through an msp it does yep yep so then we're we're watching that okay endpoint whatever they're okay. using laptop desktop it just don't have the physical server component yeah. yep so <clears throat> so that i i i asked you answered the question i asked which is good um it probably wasn't the question i should have asked and i i so but but i'm glad i asked this question as well like so what you know what i heard you say was a, a, the end customer the actual computing environment that's being protected doesn't buy your product, they get it as part of an MSP offering. Uh, is that, is that correct? That's yeah, that's, and correct. it's part yep. of and a remote monitoring and management solution that they're probably already purchasing. Correct. Yep. The, the intent is for the managed service providers to add crypto stopper to their stack. Now, um, we are planning to roll out an enterprise version that larger companies, so companies over 300 endpoints, could purchase um, either fourth quarter or first quarter of next year. And will that, do you think you'll offer that um, directly or still through the MSPs? Um, through some sort of distribution. We're not, we haven't ironed that out yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but so th the question I think I meant to ask <laughs> now that now that you answered the question that I did ask, um, it, but I think you've you've kind of answered it already. And, and that is the way the product is deployed or the way it works is that there is an agent of some sort running on each machine yes. that is going to be protected and it's doing some things, um, one of which are the honeypot files, right? Um, but I'm, I'm assuming you're doing other secret sauce things to look for Correct. what, what, you know, without giving away your secret sauce, you, can you give us a hint as to the kinds of things you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that exfiltration where the files are being, mass files are being taken right. offsite right. to IP addresses that they shouldn't be going to. Uh, and then... Things like as simple as watching the file system for uh, extension changes, watching for multiple renames, that, things that, so our algorithm is watching for things that in a user wouldn't naturally do through Windows Explorer. Maybe mass deletion as well? mass right. deletion yep. so so yep. okay so now so here's where the nerd in me is taking over and I, <laughs> you know i'm curious as to how you're watching we do use a file system kernel driver to monitor so so basically you're seeing all the ios and 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 so the question that i would have then is um you know are there any downsides to that um yeah, so we've worked through, I mean, there are some false positives right. that happen. I mean, that's a natural downside. We have a whitelisting system so that we can't, so the MSP, the managed service providers can whitelist for their clients. Mm -hmm. um, it's all managed through a portal. So even though there is an agent in that kernel driver that's sitting on the individual machines, it's all managed through a portal. Uh, so that they don't have to go back to those individual machines. And we've designed it with that model in mind where they can manage even multiple locations simultaneously. I just want to make sure I understand because it, it, if you can have a kernel driver, you, you could do this a couple different ways, right? If you've got a kernel driver that basically just 
what what you're saying is, listen, anytime there's a file operation, let us know. That that's one way, and then another way would be all file operations have to go through us, right? Where like all files coming and going have to go literally through our stack. Um, and, and it would seem that if you yeah. chose the latter, that, that the concern I would have would be performance. Right, right. And we don't have performance issues. So okay. <laughs> that's, you, you can pick which one we use. Okay, okay. Uh, so now, now we're starting. So now did, we're starting to meddle. Is what you're telling me. Yeah. Don't want to get too close. <laughs> but you're saying we don't have yeah. we don't have performance issues. Um, yeah. And because uh, that well, it's like backup, right? Because one of the you know one of the competitors you know to to Druva you know because Druva does laptop backup, right? Um, the, the, I know that when you install it on a on a laptop it basically, whenever it's running backups, it slows down the machine, which is like, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever turn, why would you ever turn on that broader? Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you're, if your end users are going to go, what is, why is my machine running slow? Backup, right click, you know, cancel that process. Disable. Kill. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and we certainly, I mean, resource, I mean, that's been a, a concern from day mm-hmm. one and something that we're, we're continually optimizing for. Um, and, and still, I, we recently just had a, a particular server, particular kind of application that did cause resource mm-hmm. issues. And now we're, yeah. you know, adjusting and fixing for that. But we've, we've gotten it to the point where it's a very narrow subset that and has to be unique situations where we still would have a resource yeah. issue. And I think like for what you're doing, it's kind of inevitable, right? If you are going to be scanning the file system or looking at operations, right? There is going to be some resource. It, it's no different than like antivirus software, right? That runs on most people's laptop because that's what corporate IT needs in order to protect the networks, protect your data, right? It seems like CryptoStopper is like another one of those tools that's critical for the company and therefore yes it does consume some resources but it's important right right and when you think about when those antivirus companies when they started layering on every <laughs> i mean i'm sure you guys being in the industry long enough i mean you've had antivirus mm-hmm. you're like holy crap yep <laughs> this thing i can't i can't even work anymore yeah. um so they you know it's it is that continual evolution of optimization yeah. that we, we all go through, yeah, but, but we feel like we're very, um, very cognizant of that and, and are always testing and building. Yeah. You're, you're with that in mind, probably about as lightweight as you can be without, you know, without reducing functionality. Um, yeah. but it sounds like, right. um, it sounds like mainly what you're doing is you're looking for file operations. You're not scanning content per se. You're looking for extension changes. You're looking for exfiltration because you're seeing you're seeing files that are being transferred uh, out of the machine. You're seeing mass deletions. You're seeing you're you're observing file operations happening, and th- that that's that's that, probably even less of a of a of a a resource utilization than uh, an, an antivirus software that actually has to scan the content of the files. Exactly. I was going to ask a separate question. So um, does your product have the capability? Like I'm assuming say an MSP has 10 customers, one customer gets hit with ransomware. Um, Do you recognize a pattern? And is that something that can then be applied to the other nine customers that the MSP has or? Yeah. So we don't, we don't, we don't pick up that hash is what, you know, the file hash yeah. of the malware variant and roll it in to the system, but we will pick that up and, and notify okay. them. So if they use, um, use a system that they can blacklist that they could. Gotcha. And then a follow-up question. So say I have 100 endpoints in my environment, and I know uh, earlier you mentioned you can kind of detect ransomware in a second, right? You guys are very quick at detecting. Um, And so you're able to either quarantine the process or maybe even quarantine the machine that you've detected. Correct. Now, 
does that then apply across the other machines at that same customer? Like, or like does something spin into high yeah. alert that basically says, Hey, there's something actively going on or are each one of yeah, those machines so kind of individually detecting cla- on their own? The klaxon alert. Is so, it, it's called klaxon, right? And that, uh, the old, the weep, weep, weep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the alert does go out, but part of the way that we design the system is to not take down the entire network. Um, because if you guys have ever dealt with a ransomware attack directly, like when it's happening, mm-hmm. typically what the IT guys do is go either start pulling cables, shutting yep. the network, yep, pulling cables, shutting servers down. And we wanted to make sure and avoid that. You know, we want to isolate it, but we don't want to take yeah. the entire system down. So it is on an individual. Okay. And because each individual machine, machine could detect it with this, because they're all running the same agent, then if that other machine gets hit, then it'll have the same process where it gets pulled from the network or just process shut down or whatever else. Exactly. So if it were a, a worm like event where it started happening on every machine, then it is going to isolate every machine. Gotcha. Uh, only once it happens or you might actually you could proactively say listen let's just stop everybody for a minute yeah only once it happens okay okay so that's not something we are building is that capability for the msps to go isolate Uh where they could say okay you know they could make that decision okay of this is serious enough that we do want we've seen an infection of 18 machines let's just stop all machines right now while we figure this out yeah and yeah and i'm sure because the msp is using a remote management software they probably have that mechanism so as long as they get that alert from you for the first machine that got hit then they could take the right actions as needed exactly hmm Yep, that is interesting because I, I do see. By the way, there's a great. Did you ever watch the TV show Alias? Yes, there yeah. was a great uh, scene in there where Marshall Flankman comes running into the server room and uh, he had detected an exfiltration attack, uh, and he's like flipping all the power switches and he's like they're downloading all the files <laughs> off the server and he's just like flipping all the power switches right. um I, I yeah that's uh, i have that clip somewhere that's about how it goes um, <laughs> yeah. i can imagine what that's like we actually had a really good um yeah. a, a guest uh that was on that actually works for uh a tape company like a, a the so spectralogic which is uh one of the big uh, tape library companies they got attacked and he gave us a really good you know story about what it was like to play by play uh, yeah yeah and and it was it was you know there was that initial like you know yank everything right but he was saying that that was the easy part the hard part was turning things back on right um (laughs) because it's like they could they could they could only basically they would go machine by machine to see if this machine had been infected before that, you know, and they had right. they had to do that in an isolated manner, um, you know, um, and it took them quite a while to figure that out. I mean, so this is a this is a, I mean, this is a big problem that you're that you're trying to solve. So you're, you're in a growth industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that has been an understatement this year, right? Um, and where so yeah. where are you headquartered? Uh, so we're based out of Iowa. Uh-huh. Uh, so based out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, but we have, so there's uh, 12 of us mm-hmm. now in the company. So still, still in startup phase. Yeah. Um, and we have people all over the country. So we, we started out as a remote company pre, pre-COVID uh-huh. and have remained that way. And where does the tech run? Uh, so the tech runs out of AWS. Okay. All right. So another... Um, that Druva, by the way, Druva runs its, uh, its technology in, uh, in AWS as well. Greg, uh, well, well first off that is, I, I'm glad to hear that somebody came up with this, right? Uh, because this <laughs> is, you know, this is a real problem, right? And it's, and it's the exfiltration part that basically once you bring in the exfiltration piece, my world is kind of useless, Right. I was going to say, um, are you just are you out of a job now, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, you know, well, luckily <laughs> people still need backup for other things, 
and not every ransomware attack has exfiltration as part of it. But once you bring in exfiltration, you, you add a whole other reason to why I should or shouldn't pay the ransom. Now, now it's a, a very different conversation. Assuming you solve the, the restore problem, you have to then make a different discussion as to, well, are we exposed? You know, what kind of data is exposed and do we want it exposed, right? We, the, the, the podcast that we actually just published um, yesterday now, I mean, you know, these are recorded yeah. and they're published way, but it, it got published yesterday. And that is, we had this conversation with two people that very much believed in entity level encryption in uh, databases so that if your database was ever compromised, that that the attacker would not be able to exfiltrate the data. Um, by the way, that, that does bring up one. Um, it, so it, it sounds like what I've heard so far is that this is primarily aimed at unstructured data. Do you, does any of the product also look at structured data? Uh, not at this okay. point. Okay. All right. Not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there was another interesting thing in, in, in trying to convince us to have you on as a guest, there was another interesting thing about your life that was that was teased to us, and that is that you have experienced something that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> um, something called a derecho, which I just know which is I, like meaning right. You know, yeah, I, I think that's what you asked me. You were like, I was like, why are that's you asking just me the right Spanish, in Spanish word for right? <laughs> like, why is that a thing? And what is a derecho? So basically a derecho, and I'm like you guys, I had never heard of this thing either. Uh, basically, it's a land hurricane. So we had sustained winds of 140 miles an hour for about 45 minutes. It took out, so in the city the city of Cedar Rapids, uh, which is the largest metropolitan area, not even metropolitan, but 140,000 people or so, um, 75% of the tree canopy was taken down. And you can imagine, I mean, we don't, we have tornadoes that are that high of wind, but not as large of yeah, an area. That's huge. So has that ever happened there before? Uh, not, not in this particular okay. area. I mean, I, there have been other derechos. I don't know that there's been one this severe mm. ever. I mean, I, and I, what but I'm I'm not an expert on. So what's what's the difference? <laughs> land hurricane. Yeah, what's the difference between history. a derecho and a and a tornado then? So basically, a tornado that's fifty miles okay. wide is the All difference. Right. Um, that's yeah. It, it was about a, and if it, you can actually see in the satellite satellite imagery the damage and the swath that that this thing took. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tornado that's 50 miles and wide. It, does it also have rain as part of it? Rain? Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually, we barely had any warning. So I knew that there was rain coming and there were thunderstorms forecast for that day, but not anything severe. And I live on a, I live on a 60 acre farm outside of Cedar Rapids. Uh, and I was out walking my dogs, knowing that, okay, this rain is coming later. And I was out on top of a hill and look over and see this just black wall. What was coming? Wow. And so you're, you're just like, you're just out, you're just out for a walk with the dog and you see this. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> right. And literally started running for the house. I was probably uh, 300 yards uh -huh. from from the house. So a decent, decent little distance right. um, and ran for the house, got the dogs in just as the wind picked up. And I'm, I'm usually one to be, you know, out, out on the porch looking, Oh, is that a tornado coming? <laughs> not, not in the basement where we all should right. be. Uh, and I, I was in the basement. I mean, it sounded like, it sounded like a freight train right. coming through for a 50, almost 50 mile wide minutes. freight train. For yeah. forty-five Crazy. minutes, did did you yeah. did you experience yeah. an eye? You know where where there isn't anything. Uh, so there, yeah, I didn't. So I think I wasn't in that. Okay, I mean there was. If you look at the satellite, you you can see that. I mean it looks like a hurricane, right. 
coming across land, but I wasn't in that in that eye. And it only lasted forty five minutes. Further for south. Was the whole thing only yeah. forty five minutes, or just what you experienced? Of uh, what I it, pretty much the whole like it went on for hours. Okay, but like any given, that's how long any given location. Okay, because it was, was because it was traveling the worst part of it. Yeah, yeah, it was actually moving at about seventy miles an hour. Jeez, that's crazy. Wow. So, and that's part of the reason that there weren't the warnings. Right. I can't imagine like what. Would it be like the emergency broadcast system? I guess they, but they didn't even have time. It sounds like yeah. I mean, yeah. And we would typically because we have tornadoes and severe thunderstorms, and so you they'll sound off sirens, and I'll get alerts on my phone that there's severe weather, right? Uh, and nothing. Interesting. Yeah, I get. I, I and, can imagine and, people got people got a a text warning. There's a derecho on its way to your house. <laughs> be like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Google derecho. Somebody's turning right into my driveway. What's happening? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, it was, and from a, you know, to bring this back to a disaster recovery, backup and restore yeah. standpoint. Um, I mean, it was something that I've never experienced from that level of destruction i mean every so in the msp business that i own i mean every single client was without power there was 98 percent of the county that i live in four hundred thousand people were without power wow and i was without power for six days uh and also you know every single one of my msp clients right were affected by this and it wasn't the kind of thing where okay we just recover and use your, you know, use your cloud cloud recovery mm-hmm. methods because no one had power. Right. So people trying to do even doing payroll, um, we had people going to other cities, you know, driving two hours away so that they could get power. Oh man! So that they could connect to their payroll system so that people could get. Yeah, checks. that's that's a, a thing that a lot of people fail. This is to me, this is the difference between DR and BC. Right, um, the business continuity Be- takes that into account, right? Yep. Whereas DR is really just focused primarily right. on getting the data and the servers back up and running. But the fact that none of your people have power or a place to sit, um, you know, isn't really part of the plan, or at least not typically, right? Exactly. Um, now, I grew I grew right. up around right. hurricanes, right? So I grew up in Florida, so I'm I'm well familiar with hurricanes and the, and the fun that they can that they can be. And actually, I. I I was a teenager. Uh, it's funny. I the two worst cur- the two worst hurricanes I experienced. I experienced where I didn't live. I was visiting my mother in um, uh, Houston area, and she um, we had Hurricane Alicia, which went you know which was you know it was a Category Five hurricane, um, and it and this was this was uh, forty years ago. Um, <laughs> and I experienced that. I, my, they actually ran a, um, uh, an apartment complex and we couldn't buy enough plywood to board up both sides of the apartment complex. So we actually boarded up the side that was being bombarded by the wind. And then when the eye of the hurricane hit, we took down all the plywood and boarded up the other side. <laughs> Oh wow. wow! That's why I asked you about. That's why I asked you, <laughs> you had about to time the, uh, that well. Yeah, we had to time it well. And you had you had. I don't remember how long because that was you know forty years ago. I don't remember how long it was, but I just know that we worked fast. So it was it was yeah. two teenage boys and a, you know an adult man, um, mm. and uh, we we did a lot of a lot of hammering <laughs> that day. Um, just going back to what you yeah. were talking about, business continuity, Curtis. It's like when we had Ron Weasley on to talk about the hurricane on that tropical island, right? And yep. he was talking about, yeah, I didn't have a place to really sleep and trying to find food, right? It's all the other things, right? Not necessarily getting the infrastructure yeah. up, right? All those other things are what becomes critical. Yeah. Yeah. And we did almost nearly had a humanitarian crisis here because... You know, power's completely out. People weren't able to get water, weren't able to get food. Um, we did, I mean, luckily had within within a couple of days, the really it was individuals mobilizing and nonprofits mobilizing. FEMA didn't come in um, until much later. 
because it wasn't, I mean, it just isn't something that happens. Right. It's not like a hurricane where you can kind of see the progress and you know, oh, it's coming like a week out, right? It's like one of those things that just hit all of a sudden. No prep at all. Right. By the way, when when was this, Greg? Uh, so this was August tenth of last year. Oh so my this god! Is middle In the middle of twenty twenty. Wow. Yeah, just, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. You, I can imagine those of you sitting there going, "Can we get a break?" <laughs> tell tell what, me a about derecho, it. a and, pandemic, and a derecho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was lucky, um, very lucky, in that I have a, a whole house generator. I have internet, I have fiber internet, even though I live five miles from the nearest community, I have fiber internet. And I mean, as soon as I had my generator on, I was reconnected again. Right. Um, so I was able to function pretty well, but I literally had to take a chainsaw to get out of my driveway because of the trees down oh, wow. and help my neighbors right. to get out of their driveway. And then, I mean, you can just imagine a, a hurricane hitting an area that isn't prepared yeah. has never had that kind right. of, of, of damage before it was. Yeah. I, I mean, it was devastating. Wow. Uh, how long did it take for things to get back to normal? Um, well, I wouldn't say we're back to normal <laughs> yet. <laughs> no, yeah, just to I forgot, get I forgot what year back, I was get, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to get power. So it was two weeks before power was restored to everyone. I was without power for six days. Um, and then, I mean, just to clear the streets, I mean, you couldn't drive the city streets. Um, it, it was about, I mean, my guess would be three months, like to get wow. kind of back to like, okay, we're not, still just dealing with this every day. Wow. Yeah. That is certainly the first month was, I mean, it was every day, something going on derecho related and then just kind of weaned down from there. Crazy. (laughs) And yeah, that's just, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I'd never even heard of it until, you know, they brought it up and, um, and it sounds like you guys hadn't either. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't imagine no, and you know, you're just hanging out you're just hanging out on the farm you look over and you're like i don't know what that is but i think it's about to kill me it's <laughs> yeah that's literally what it's as, went it's as wide as i can see that could kill and me. it's moving at 70 miles could you could you sense the movement i i probably could i mean i think that that's because I, I mean, I distinctly remember looking and having that exact thought, like that's not normal <laughs> and that could kill me. <laughs> and then looking over my shoulder and seeing it, you know, getting, and it, it was, I mean, just as I got in the house, that wind started howling and I headed straight to the basement. Wow. Yeah. And Crazy. Course, both the place I grew up and the place that I live now I have to say, what's a basement? <laughs> like if that happened here, oh, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know, go hide in the bathtub. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and you've been through hurricanes before, yeah. so you know, you know, you've got that time to prep. I mean, you've got days yeah. or at least hours right. to yeah. say, okay, here it comes. Now it's going to start hitting. Right. I mean, this was minutes. So crazy. Yeah, I I yeah. I didn't realize that it came on so suddenly. Um, yeah, I can't imagine having essentially a hurricane. You know, you said 140 mile an hour winds. That's huge. That's like a that's yeah. like a category four, I think, uh, hurricane wise. And having a hurricane that big that just showed up on your doorstep with no yeah, notice. Like, hey, I'm here. Like, yeah, it's like the suddenness of a tornado. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, it is, it is suddenness. And, and at least with tornadoes, we do get warnings. some warning. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that system that goes out and we get that warning. And I, this just happened so quickly that the emergency broadcasting system didn't even have the time to react. Crazy. Wow. So, and, it, and yeah, I mean, and, and so from that business continuity standpoint, 
we here in the Midwest don't really think in those terms from, uh, we think more business continuity as, you know, death of key employees and the, you know, the, the business being taken out, you know, individually, right. but then, okay, everybody can pick up and go work from wherever X location. Right. And that just wasn't even, I mean, so many, because not only was the business destroyed, but then people's homes were destroyed. Right. And so yeah, it, it again, was just, chaos. just like a hurricane, you know, that, that episode, the, what was so, the name of that? What episode was that uh, persona? Do you have which the, one? the, uh, Ron oh, yeah, it is episode 82 disaster recovery after a hurricane. Yeah. The, I mean, that was, yeah. the, the, you know, when, when you have, when the infrastructure that you count on is destroyed, it's really hard to focus on anything else other than just staying alive, right? Yeah. So has this led to any changes? Because I know you're an MSP. So is there now different recommendations you have for your customers? So not, I mean, this was such an infrequent, you know, like, like, will it happen again? Probably not. I mean, the, the, but yes, from, from the standpoint of, or at least it's a good time I, to I review what they do. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, we had, because coming from the offsite backup and disaster recovery world, I mean, we had really good disaster recovery plans, but I don't know that from a business continuity standpoint that we could have done, would anything, have done different. anything, yeah. anything differently. I mean, the, what we did is sent, you know, sent critical employees to other cities and, you know, go to a hotel. As soon as you have power and internet, then you can get yeah. in it. But other than that, there's really not a lot differently to do. I mean, it, it clients taking it more seriously is probably yeah. the, the biggest change. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that has changed, you know, hasn't changed for me, but has changed for our clients to be like, okay, this could happen to us. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, the odds are small, right? Um, but it is it, it is interesting. It, it combines the, the suddenness of a tornado, right, um, with the destructiveness of of a hurricane. Um, you know that 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 is a an interesting. Yeah. It, it's the suddenness aspect that I think. Uh, doesn't allow you to prepare. I mean, the, the things that you can do are things that you had already done. It's not like, you know, you, you had a generator, for example, uh, but it's when you, when, when the entire infrastructure is taken out. So you might have power, but you might not have communications, right? If, if the phone company, if you rely, if you rely on the phone company, if you rely on the internet, right? Um, the internet itself, that was the problem that they had at this, this island. Uh, the internet was taken out. And um, th- they had to resort to a number of things because the idea of cables going from A to B just, you know, wasn't really a possibility. Um, so interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and even our, I mean, cell phone service was out for hours right. after this. I mean, I, I don't remember the exact timing of that coming back up, but you, know, you just add that to the chaos of everything going on and people not knowing if their family is safe or not. Oh, that, yeah. Um, and we couldn't even, I mean, we couldn't get gas. So that was one thing like for my generator, I had, I think I had 25 gallons of gas. Um, but then once that was gone, then I had to drive 30 miles to, to a place where they had power where they can really, Oh, because you can't, you you can't pump gas without electricity. Exactly. To, again, things that we things that we don't think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Hmm. right. Goodness. All right. Well, that is, that is certainly an interesting, you know, disaster story. Uh, well, Greg, thanks a lot for coming on. I think I think both both things that we talked about have been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a fun discussion. <laughs> and thanks, Persona, for your uh, for your chiming in as well. No, it was interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Greg, for being on. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, thanks again to our listeners. Remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
victim isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll ride on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space. It'll be completely done Maybe one day it-